Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, hosted by certified coaches Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Elizabeth is a Christian life and leadership coach, branding consultant, and busy mompreneur. Sebastian is a Christian speaker, Bible teacher, author, and leadership expert. Together, they help today's committed believers to dig deeper in their knowledge and walk with God in order for them to grow and climb higher in life and leadership. If you want to dig even deeper, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com for more free resources and content. on purpose podcast so today we're going to talk about the exciting topic about the shaking of the church as we know as believers the church is going through a, a great shaking right now with everything that's going on and um, we're going to give you some amazing content today to help you to make sense of all of this so Sebastian yeah, yeah absolutely well uh, this weekend was Easter and for many that meant traditionally, going to church uh, in droves, and all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a situation where not only the, the countries are on lockdown, but many different institutions, including the church, uh, or here's the thing, and, and I want to differentiate that right from the get-go, is you can't lock down the church, because the church is a living entity. Uh, the church was founded by Jesus Christ, and it was established by Jesus Christ, and it is composed of every single living believer. That's the church in the New Testament term, in the biblical term, so you can't lock that down. Now, of course, what we've experienced is that in our countries, that the many different individual buildings or churches, those have been put in lockdown, and I want to differentiate that right from the get-go, but still, it's affecting a lot of believers, and, I, and I've, seen a, I've seen it on social media quite a bit, uh, people are distraught. They're troubled by that. They, they can't assemble themselves, you know, and, and uh, it's causing a lot of anguish for a lot of believers. And I've seen a lot of uh, posts on social media to that effect where people are stressed out. They're scared. They're, they're wondering what's going to happen to, to, they call it the church, but it's not the church really, uh, but basically the buildings or what, where we assemble, what that means for uh, the present and maybe even possibly for our future. So obviously I took... Uh, uh, some stuff, some liberties here that I'm going to share with you some really good information today. Uh, what got me thinking about sharing this with you guys was uh, this meme that I found on, on uh, my Facebook profile. I'm going to show it to you. I hope you can get a good glimpse of it. So it says, the church isn't empty. The church has been deployed. And I believe that's exactly what is going on right now. Uh, don't you believe that, Liz, that the church is not empty right now? It is actually being deployed by God. Yeah. And actually, you know, um, God has been showing me this in my spirit for about a year, if not more. Mm -hmm. I think I've been talking about this for the last two years. And um, he's been revealing different things to me. And, you know, there's different things that we uh, were wondering about our business, how we were going to do Thriving on Purpose. And God always kept on telling me, um, that things would shift, things would change. And I said to Sebastian, I just have this gut feeling that um, eventually most most uh, pastors, most teachers will have to be online, that yeah. we're going towards that. And to shift. That they're going to have to find ways to do that 
because most of the common churches unfortunately won't survive this and you know I know that most of us like the idea of you know the community church where you can get together be part of the same community and share you know bread together and um, have a potluck, have a supper, potluck and get beans. to know each other <laughs> and get to know each other by the way for those of you uh, listening to our podcast we're now on video so you can see us on our Facebook page at Thriving on Purpose and also on YouTube you can search for us there so <laughs> when we're talking about things showing things to the camera if you want to see us uh, live then you can go and check out uh, those places so, um, but I've been saying this for a long time and I've been seeing how things have been sh shifting and a lot of believers have been questioning all kinds of things when it comes to religion, when it comes to the church, mm -hmm. and they've been seeking for answers online and they've been finding content online. And, and so, you know, a lot of them are out of church Christians that we call them, and they're still seeking believers. They're still seeking to uh, have a deeper walk with God, uh, but have, you know, kind of uh, left the, the body of the church, if you want, the building yeah. of the church. And so some of them have embarked in a spiritual journey and so forth and so forth. But basically what we're talking about here today is that the church is going a major, uh, going to have a major shift and we've been seeing it. I've been feeling it in my spirit. And I think that um, most believers are going to have to uh, adapt to this shift. Absolutely. And uh, I, so we're talking about a shift. We're talking about a shaking. I really believe the, sh the church right now is undergoing a shaking from God, and it's a good thing. And, and, and I know it's, you know, transitions are always difficult. And this is definitely a major shift, like Elizabeth mentioned, uh, a big transition. And for a lot of believers right now, they're shaken, but I believe that they're being shaken out of their comfort zone. And uh, here's the thing. When we assemble Sunday after Sunday after Sunday or Wednesday after Wednesday after Wednesday in, in a church building, we, we do church, right? We, we um, I guess we could call it to some, even to some extent, we play church uh, because technically in a church, not that many people have an, a, a real active ministry. So you're going to have obviously the leaders of the church, so including the pastor, the board of elders, and, and some people who are involved in, in, in real uh, ministry doing something every week. But the big majority, maybe 90% of the church goers, are, are just going there for more like a social club. And they're not really using their gifts or blessing the people there. They're more like, um, how do you call it? Um, we say an that, audience. You know, yeah, an audience. An audience. They're, like, they're going there more as an audience. And I think that's the comfort zone that the, shirt, the church is being shaken out right now. Uh, in Matthew... Chapter 5, verse 13, Jesus said, and it's a passage that most believers are very familiar with. He said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And uh, I printed out a salt shaker because I think it's going to be useful for what I'm trying to teach today. So I printed out a nice salt shaker, and I want you guys to imagine this salt shaker here. The salt is, every single grain of salt is an individual believer. And this glass jar in which the salt is contained, those, that's the building, that's the church building. And I believe that right now, 
the shaking of the church that's going that we're going through right now, God is actually saying, you know what? This is not going to stop the church because nothing is going to stop the church because Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Okay, and and I want and I'm just going to pause here from the salting, uh, using this verse about the, the gates of hell. When Jesus said that about the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, it doesn't show a passive church. See, when I was younger. And I read that passage, I imagined, I don't know if you were like that, Liz, but when I read that passage where Jesus says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, I imagined a horde of demons and Satan in charge coming to try to trample the church and the church with their shields shaking, going like, yeah. <laughs> and trying to resist the assaults of the gates of hell. But that is the wrong picture. You see, gates are what protects territories. So Jesus didn't say the gates of the, the church will stand firm. He said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the assault of the church. Completely different picture. Uh, in in uh, something I'm writing right now, I'm, I'm writing a, a book right now, and I'm using that analogy uh, from the Middle Ages when they had rams. Rams were like a huge, gigantic log that necessitated many men carrying it when they were in wartime and they were trying to take over a fort or a castle and they wanted to bring down the doors. So you have these men running fast and smashing that huge log against the doors again and again with great force until the doors came down. Now that is the church. Now I want to get back to the salt shaker analogy. I just, I was kind of on a rabbit trail here. <laughs> I hope you guys won't mind. But see the salt shaker analogy. So like I said, the glass is the building of the church and every single grain of, of uh, salt is a single individual believer. Well, I think God right now, what he's doing, he's saying, okay, let's empty the buildings out. Let's empty the buildings out. Let's get these believers out into the open where they're going to have great effect because they're the salt of the earth and the believers are being like the meme said at the beginning, they're being deployed. So now, this is really interesting. We're, we're, we're undergoing an amazing shift in the history of the church, I believe, okay? Because even if we do get back to the way things used to be, so even if this is over in a month, let's say, and we go back to our churches, it's not going to be business as usual anymore because pastors will have... If every single believer will have learned a great lesson, we will we will have learned to um, assemble differently, and that's what Liz was getting at. And when we had that conversation many times, she was saying the church is going to undergo a shift. Uh, the power of of the internet and social media, the way we do things everywhere and every day, is going to force churches, individual churches to adapt and do things differently from now on. And I really believe that. Yeah, and I, I think what I've seen mostly right now happening is that a lot of people are seeing that, you know, they've been kind of going to church like a routine and getting spoon-fed by their church, mm -hmm. doing the good and godly thing of the week. And now it's like their spiritual food has to be met by another means. So now they're researching online they're trying to find out what's going on what is god doing 
through the midst of this virus. They're listening to different teachers that didn't, they didn't even know existed online. Yeah. And they're experiencing spiritual food in a different way. And so a lot of uh, Christians have been doing that for a while, but a lot have not. And so by being confined at home, they're forced to do that. And that's bringing them into a different spiritual journey, which they're discovering, you know, it is really between me and God. Exactly. You know, the spiritual food I get doesn't have to be once a week. It can be seven days a week. I can listen to, to, to so many teachings. There's so much free content out there right yeah. now. That's a real blessing. And, you know, your walk with God, because now you have more time to focus on the real things and to ponder and to really question and see, you know, what God wants you to do in the next steps in, in, in your life when you go back to uh, your work. Or maybe for some of you, you have to shift completely and try going in a different journey with when it comes to your work, trying something new. So all of this is really reshifting people in their beliefs and how they do things. And I think it's a really good thing in a way because I think a lot of believers have been really sleeping on the bench uh, for years and bench, years, sleeping yeah. on the bench. And um, I know for me personally, I've had my moments, you know, where I've questioned certain things that in the church I found very, very religious and that I wasn't um, on board with. And I did take a time where I just needed that time to to dive in spiritually and, and learn from different teachers, learn from different spiritual leaders. And that really, really helped me in my spiritual journey until I found the church that was, was right for me and that I, I believed in their beliefs and stuff. So, I mean, it's all, it's all good. For sure. And, you know, uh, when I was younger, I was in a church where, or was it above, I think it was above the exit sign. There was a huge sign that said, you are now entering the mission field. So every, every Sunday when people left the building, they were reminded, hey, I'm entering the mission field. In other words, by getting out of this building, I am really getting into ministry right now. I'm really going to be used by God where I'm going. Yeah. So th that was a great thing. And I think that's exactly what's going on right now. The, the buildings are being are emptied. But they're emptied of the salt, the salt of the earth. And that's you and me. And that's going to make a huge difference. And uh, I'm going to share something amazing with you that I found online uh, recently. It was the late David Wilkerson. Many of you might know David Wilkerson. Uh, uh, the, the, night, uh, the, the Switchblade. What was, the, what was the title of his movie? The, I forget the Bible and the switchblade, I, I forget. Anyway. I heard it recently. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Anyway, he, in 1986, he made a prophecy. He uttered something that's really amazing. He said this. I'm going to read it to you. See, I, I even, I printed it out. That's the Wilkerson right there. Okay. So he said this. That's in 1986, guys. I see a plague coming on the world. And the bars... Churches and government will shut down. The plague will hit New York City and shake it like it has never been shaken. The plague is going to force prayerless believers into radical prayer and into their Bibles. And repentance will be the cry from the man of God in the pulpit. And out of it, 
will come a third great awakening that will sweep America and the world. Now that, if, if it doesn't talk, if it's not talking about COVID-19, I don't know what else it's, it might be talking about because that describes to a T what we're going through right now. And I believe, like uh, David Wilkerson, that this could potentially bring into effect a third great awakening that could transform the face of America and Canada, for, from where I'm at, and even the world. Uh, this is going to be a very uh, determining time. Uh, I wrote a quote here that I wanted to share with you guys. When believers congregate, they preserve themselves. But when they disperse, they preserve the world. And that is exactly what I think is going to happen. The shift we're going through right now. See, uh, it, it's always a, a very secure feeling when we go to church. We're surrounded by believers. We're in the family of believers. We're in the security of a building. And, uh, and we have freedom of worship here in Canada and America. And that's been a great privilege for so many decades and centuries. And, and we're blessed to have uh, benefited from that. But what if, what if things start getting much different now? Uh, look, some countries have been uh, persecuted for their faith for uh, decades and centuries. I'm thinking about China, where the virus came from. They, uh, they live in a communist country, and it's very, very hard for them to, yeah. to congregate, to be together, and to worship God in unison and in peace. Uh, many of them are persecuted for their faith and have been for a long, long time over there. So maybe... Maybe those days are coming to an end, or maybe just we're going to get back, like I said, to the way things were, but it won't be the way things were. We're going to, we know that we're going to have to do things differently. So, like I said in the beginning, believers are the salt, the light and salt of the world. So, we add flavor to a world that desperately needs it, okay? And many of us, unfortunately, have become too reliant on a church building to do that. And I think many of you will now find their own saltiness through this difficult time. And it is a time when God is calling us collectively as the church, but especially individually. If you find yourself convicted by this message and you, know, and you, you realize, you know what? I have been taking my local church more like a, a comfort zone, a place where I was more of a spectator. And maybe God is convicting you through this message and show, showing you that, Things need to change in your life. You need to, to shift also because we're being shaken. You need to, to shift and ask God, look, uh, we call it ministry for a reason. We're all in ministry. It's not just the pastor's job. Every single believer is in ministry. Ministry is a word simply that means service. So as believers, we are to be in service to other human beings, to other believers especially, but to the world as well. So when we're being the church, when we stop going to church and we start being the church, we actually bring that to pass. And I just want to add, I know a lot of you are thinking, well, if all of this shifts and everything goes online, then there won't be any churches to take care of us. If, you know, there's the poor, uh, the needy, there's different people that need different resources, uh, different missions that are out there. And I totally agree. It doesn't have to change the fact that you know, these missions need to exist. They need to uh, exist. They, believers need to be helping out in them. And uh, there always has to be a head of that mission, right, that's in charge of that. But it doesn't have to change the fact that 
you know, we can all do something, whether God calls you to be part of that or whether God calls you to do something completely different from your home. Maybe it's, you know, something that you're going to do in the online world for other believers. Maybe you're going to help people in your community in a different way. Um, whatever it is, God, God may be asking you. Um, we're just saying that, you know, this time is really a time where God is speaking and shaking his church to realize that, you know, he wants more of you than you just going to get spoon fed at church yeah. and expecting that you did your your God pleasing act of the week and you know you read your Bible a bit. That was the good deed for the week. And yeah, and you read your Bible a bit this week and uh, you know, we're all good, everything's fine, I can go on living my life and do whatever I want. Uh, you know, not saying that you would do anything bad, but you know, living your own routine. And so God is calling more. We're living in the end times and God wants more from his kingdom believers to be more active uh, amongst non-believers. And um, that's what we're talking about. He's shaking the church to, to be awake. Yeah. And now I, I want to talk uh, briefly. I won't go in detail about it, but I want to talk about the seven mountains prophecy. Uh, maybe some of you have heard about it. Basically, I'll try to make it short, but basically what it teaches is that as believers, as kingdom believers, we are kingdom ambassadors. We've been given dominion upon the earth. And like I said earlier, the church is that battling ram that's supposed to take back territory, not just not back away from the attacks of the enemy, take back territory from the enemy. And uh, to that effect, uh, there's uh, something that came um, a while back. I think it was back in the 70s, the first time it was uttered, that uh, Seven Mountains Prophecy, which basically teaches that the church... Uh, in the taking back of territory should be implicated not only in, a re in the religious aspect of spheres of activity, but in several different spheres of activity, we should have a godly impact. And these seven spheres of activity are called the seven mountains. And here's what those seven mountains are. Family, religion, education, media, entertainment, business, and government. And I know some of you might think, oh, separation of church and state, that shouldn't be, blah, blah, blah. But the church of Jesus Christ doesn't have any boundaries. So godliness is not contained in a church building. And that's what I said in the beginning. I believe that godliness, the influence of the kingdom of God, should spread everywhere. And that's what the Seven Mountains theology teaches. And I'm not going to go... In, a, in a detail, like I said about it, because actually I'm inviting you guys to join me on my Patreon. We're going to post the link below of uh, my Patreon account where you can join me. And I'm going to be teaching in detail about what those seven mountains are and what it means for you as a believer, because everybody fits in one of those seven mountains. I mean, whatever your uh, occupation, profession, calling, ministry purpose is, uh, it's going to fit in one of those spheres of influence. So I'm going to be teaching about that in more detail in my Patreon uh, account where I, I always um, do an extra, I call it an underground podcast where I teach extra content that I don't teach on our regular podcast. And this is, happens to be a regular podcast. So I'm going to be teaching on the Seven Mountains. So if you guys want to join us uh, for that, you're going to find it very, very interesting. And now I want to talk about, so I was talking about the seven mountains. Whatever sphere you're busy in, whatever sphere you feel God is calling you in, you're going you're gonna to influence that one of those mountains. Now, do you want to just 
influence the mountain, because we all have some degree of influence or another. Some have little influence, some have average influence, and some have great influence. So do you want to just have little influence, or do you want to take the mountain? Do you want to say, I'm going to take that mountain, I'm going to influence it so much, that it's going to become my mountain. And I'm going to take it in the name of the Lord. I'm going to take it in the name of the kingdom of God. And I'm going to, I'm going to become a blessing. And it's going to be amazing, the transformation that's going to take place in my field as a result of the work that God put on my heart that I'm going to implement every day. So that's the attitude we should have as believers. And I'm going to share with you a passage from Joshua chapter 14, verses 6 to 15, and it's the story, uh, part of the story, of the life of Caleb. So remember Caleb, when he went um, with the, the 12 spies to spy on the land, to see what the land was like, and come back and give a report. Caleb and Joshua were the only two who had a favorable report. The, the, the 10 others were scared crapless. <laughs> they were scared shitless, I'm not supposed to say that, but that's what they were. They were so scared. And only Joshua and Caleb said, yeah, yeah, we can take this land, no problem. Giants, schmeyants, we can do you something that, uh, an exchange between Caleb and Joshua that happened 45 years later. Listen to this. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal. By the way, there's a lot of complicated names in that passage. <laughs> if ever you see me massacre a few names, just don't, don't hold it against me, okay? And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh, Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. So that's what I was talking to you guys about. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. So basically, uh, Caleb is saying, I brought back the word. As, as what I, the way I saw it, it was, he wasn't embellishing the story when he said we can take this. Uh, he really believed it in faith. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. So the other ten made everybody afraid. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever. Because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am this day, 85 years old. So he's 85 years old, okay? As yet I am strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. So he's a tough customer, this Caleb, you got to say, right? I mean, 85 years old, and he's saying, I'm just as strong today as I was when I was back in, uh, when I was 40 and we spied on the land. Um, uh, he says, so just as my, my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there. So those were the giants, right? That race of giants. And that the cities were great and fortified. So the Anakim were there. They had great cities that were fortified. 
And Caleb said, yeah, we can do this. No problem. No sweat. I don't think I would, I would probably have failed the test, to be honest. It's just two out of uh, 12 that came back and said we can do this. So they were the mighty, mighty warriors of God, uh, Caleb and Joshua. Um, what was I? Okay. Uh, what was I? <laughs> okay. It may be that the Lord will be with me. And I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord says. So he's basically saying to Joshua, give me this mountain. I want, I want to take this mountain. I want to take this mountain. And there's still Anakim there. And there's still parts, remnants, if you will, of, of the Anakim. And he's saying, I'm going to go along. I'm going to, I'm going to take him out. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron formerly was Kerjat Arba, and Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. So in other words, it was renamed, and it's funny because I was telling the kids in our devotional today, I was telling the kids, whatever we name, we have authority over. So this applies here. He, so it was named Kerjat Arba, and Arba was the greatest among the Anakim. So now it was renamed, uh, was a, what was it renamed this? Hebron, Hebron, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because and, and the land rests from war. I think this is an amazing passage as we conclude this week's podcast and I'm hoping that it's going to inspire you every single one of you to look I mentioned the seven mountains earlier the spheres of influence for believers okay so when you look at a mountain what are you looking at you're looking at something big you're looking at something huge you either climb it and conquer it like the Everest or you tell it to move out of the way by faith but either way and in this case of course, it's more a conquering aspect, saying, you know what, that is my mountain. For example, religion is my mountain, or business is my mountain, or arts and entertainment, or family. Look at James Dobson, that's just one example. Yeah. James Dobson said, family, he didn't say that, he didn't, maybe he didn't, he didn't even know about the seven mountains, but he said, family is the thing I'm going to devote myself to, and the kingdom of God in the sphere of family in America. And for those of you that don't know, a very well-known Christian psychologist. Focus and, on the family. Yeah. And he created Focus on the Family, an organization. Uh, they have podcasts. They have so much content there, free content. It's a really great ministry for families in crisis, for families that want to grow closer to God. They have all kinds of resources. They even have helplines. If you have difficulty with uh, your children for whatever reason, and you need help, it's a really wonderful organization. That's just an example of how... It's just an example of one sphere of influence, one mountain. And everybody has a mountain. So what is your mountain, and what are you going to do about it? I'm just going to finish like that. What's your mountain, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to be like, well, these Anakim are, are great, and they're scaring me? Or are you going to be like Caleb and say, give me this mountain. I'm going to take the mountain. And I'm going to make something of it, and it's going to be amazing because I'm going to bring the power of the kingdom of God on my mountain and change the world. 
because this is what we're being would be shaken for. We are being we are being shaken out of our comfort zones, shaken out of our buildings, which have become to some degree a comfort zone for many. And now uh, it's gotten real. It, this is this is not a drill anymore. We're shaken out of our churches, comfort zones, and we have to make it happen for God, for his glory, and for his kingdom. So I encourage you to pray on these things and ask you ask God to reveal, you know, to show you, to um, inspire you in the direction that you believe that um, he'd want to take you. You know, it's always re related to usually to our strengths and what we can offer and um, our skills. And, you know, sometimes we haven't been obedient. Sometimes we've been doing a job just because it pays well. And, you know, when we come to a time like this, we kind of put everything into perspective and realize, you know what, I haven't been doing what God's been asking me to do. God's been asking me to go in a complete, complete direction. So may this encourage you to really think about these things, to pray about it and possibly shift completely into the direction that God wants you to take. Because as we know, we're, if we're not already in the end times, we're definitely entering them. So be blessed and thrive on. For more free resources and content, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com 